welcome back to the All Created Podcast with your host, Chloe Elise. Yes, you did hear me right. It is just me today. Alyssa and I have been working completely opposite schedules this week and have not seen her in several days, Um, but it's okay because I just wanted to hop on the mic and tell you guys what is to come over the next few weeks. So as you may know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and if you know me or you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know that this is something that is very, very important to me, and I've had my own very long battle and journey with mental health over, well, the course of my entire life, honestly, and I think it's so important to have open conversations surrounding mental health, and it's just not something that happens a lot, and things have definitely gotten better over the past probably like you know, few years, but we still have a lot of work to do. And we wanted to take advantage of Mental Health Awareness Month to have conversations every week surrounding this. So today I'm going to be sharing a bit of my story, but within the next few weeks, we're going to have some of our friends on to share some of their own stories and journeys. And so we're really excited. We have some great guests planned who I know are going to have just amazing, insightful things to say on this topic and so really looking forward to the rest of this month so if you're going to listen to any episodes from us have it be the episodes of this month because this is something I've wanted to do for a while so this is definitely the perfect time for it (laughs) so for today's episode as an introduction to the rest of this month I'm just going to share a bit of my own story like I said and I've shared quite a lot of it honestly in a previous episode we did in season one called dealing with anxiety as a creative And in that episode, I shared a bit more of like my experiences in childhood and just like growing up and in high school and things like that. But for this, I kind of want to focus more on the recent years, um, past couple years where this has been like really relevant for me. So I'm just going to jump right in, honestly. Like I said, I'm kind of going to just skip through the early years because I cover a lot of that in the previous episode. So I would definitely recommend listening to that. Um, I think it's a good episode. I was really proud of it. I thought we had some great conversations. So definitely check that out. But for today, like I said, I'm going to focus on the past couple years of my life. I also feel like before I start diving in, I should give a little quick disclaimer because I feel like there are some things that I'm going to say that are probably going to piss some people off, to be honest, because the time in my life where things got really bad for me was while I was in college. And I know a lot of my college friends listen to this podcast. And like I said, I'm not trying to say anything that's going to like piss people off. I am not trying to speak about anyone poorly. Um, That is not my intention and it's not what I'm trying to do, but I've kind of beat around the bush before when I've shared things because I'm like oh like this could upset this person whatever but honestly if you're going to be offended by what I say like you're just going to have to get over it because I'm just living my truth and sharing my story and if that offends you it's not really my problem so that being said um we're just going to jump right in so uh, going back to 2019, this was before, right before I started college and I had so much anxiety about starting college because I've never handled change well in my life, like ever. 
And I was very anxious about starting something new, you know, moving across town, starting a new school, all of the things that were inevitably going to come with that change. And for a while, I had thought about just withdrawing from college and not even going at all. I just kind of changed my mind. I was like, you know what? It's not worth the stress and the anxiety. And that's kind of just how things had been all through my life. Just, you know, I've let anxiety run my life for so long. And if I'm going into a situation that's going to make me anxious, it's so much easier for me to just cancel on that and not do it because I'd rather just not have the experience than have the anxiety that would come with it. And that was my mindset for a very long time. But obviously I decided to push through and I think it is still obviously a very good thing that I did. But throughout my first year of college, I would deal with like what I would call like quote unquote anxious seasons. So it was like my anxiety has been, you know, a part of my life since I was five. But there were some seasons where it was heightened and it was really bad. And then there were others where it wasn't this like daily battle, but I would go through these seasons where it would kind of get rough for a month or so. And then I'd be fine for, you know, several months. And then maybe I'd have another month or two where I was just like not doing well. And it would just kind of come in waves. And this was what happened during first year. So generally speaking, I was fine. But every once in a while, I would just get really anxious for a few weeks at a time. And sometimes those would be like a little nerve wracking because it's like, oh, well, what if one of these isn't just like this little, this little wave of anxiety and this like gets bad again. And one day it did. (laughs) And I can't remember exactly when that was. Um, There's a lot of it that's very muffled and fuzzy, but I do know that it was during my second year and it happened at some point during my first semester, but it was really in my second semester of second year that things got like very, very bad. But like I said, there's a lot of specifics that I don't remember. Like I look back and think back to my time in college and sometimes it feels like I just blacked out for all of it because there's just so much of it that's fuzzy and that just tends to happen when you deal with anxiety or I think I've read, I've read about it before and I think it's pertaining to a lot of different like mental illnesses where you just like you lose a lot of your memory and that's kind of happened to me a lot. (laughs) Like I have the worst memory ever. It's like so awful. But I think the biggest thing for me was that it was kind of this slow fade. So it would be like random, like small things here and there that would start to like not be great. It was a lot of like one-off anxiety attacks or panic attacks um, that didn't feel like they were brought on by anything. Like they felt very random Um, so it was very confusing because it didn't feel like I was doing anything that should be causing anxiety. It was just kind of like, oh, here's this random anxiety attack. Cool. Thanks for that. But then that slowly started to turn into my capacity feeling really stretched. And when you're at a leadership college, a Bible college, whatever, you're taught a lot about capacity and, you know, each semester, each year, you kind of take on more and more. And it's part of stress, stretching your capacity as a leader. And for the longest time, I felt like that's I think what was happening is I was like, oh, like my capacity is just being stretched. I'm a second year student. I'm leading a team now. You know, there's more on my plate than there was last year. But, you know, after time, it was very clear. It was so much more than just my capacity being stretched. After that, I slowly started to miss out on things. Like I'd kind of skip some services or events. Um, The main one, which I've talked about this before, um, but we had this like Thursday morning service and it was for college and for church, but 
college was like the main group of people that were there and the main people who were serving it. And uh, I remember having a meeting with one of my college trainers and they basically like excused me from serving at this service because I was doing so much inside of college and church and just life in general. And so it was kind of one of those things where they were like, we know that you carry a lot and we want you to be able to just sit in a service and receive. And I was obviously like so thankful for that. But, you know, slowly it became a, instead of like, oh yeah, I get to sit in the service. It was like, oh, I have a morning off. And I got challenged on it a couple times got convicted on it a couple times. And in my first semester, it was like, sometimes I was there, sometimes I wasn't. But second semester, I like didn't go ever because I truly just could not handle it. One thing that I've learned about myself is that if I go multiple days without a lot of sleep, I need a day to catch up. And just because of the events of the week, Thursday would end up being my day that I would like crash and burn after early Wednesday morning um, call times for chapel and serving in youth and serving in all these different areas and having a job, a job that required me to work very late hours and whatever. Thursdays were like, okay, this is the one day I can sleep in. Also, I've said this before, but at this time, Alyssa wasn't really working Thursdays more often than not. And so it was like, oh, this is also my one day a week that I can hang out with my best friend. And I'm starting to not really like a lot of things about my life right now, but at least I can hang out with her on this day. And so it wasn't with this ill intention to like not want to be a part of it. It was just like, I just felt like I couldn't handle it. And I had no desire to be there because it was just draining me more than it was giving to me. And I just, I didn't have the space for it in my mind and in my life at that time. So jumping to the start of second semester, I had probably one of the worst anxiety attacks of my entire life. It lasted for about three days. I was in a, just a constant state of anxiety, did not let up. I did not eat for three full days. I think I maybe had like a snack once within that period and I was absolutely miserable and it was so difficult to make it to the school day. Like I was hungry but I was so nauseous I was like there's no way I'm eating and I was so low energy and disengaged and just completely drained from the anxiety and this was honestly the moment that I think everything changed for me and everything just went completely downhill suddenly the quote-unquote anxious season that I was referring to earlier was not just a season it was becoming my entire life again and it honestly took me about a full year to recover so in your second semester of your second year <laughs> we have this performance and basically it's it's like a class and then the whole class for the entire semester you're um, learning these songs and you're practicing and rehearsing and then at the end of the semester we put on this like showcase and at first I was starting to get into this point where it was like, oh, I needed a distraction. I was like, this is going to be so fun. It's going to be like a creative outlet for me. It's going to be fun. Like I was really excited about it after my first like week or so of school. I remember talking to Alyssa about it. I was like, dude, I'm so excited. I was technical directing. I was also a musician in college. So I was playing guitar. I added technical directing on top of that because it was honestly the thing I wanted to do more. And then it also just kind of got put on my plate, not by asking, but they were like, oh, you're going to sing too. And so I was like, 
okay, I don't really want that, but it doesn't really seem like I'm getting an option. So I'm just going to roll with the punches. So like I was saying, I felt like I needed a distraction, but this was one of those times where having a distraction actually ended up being more unhealthy for me. And there's sometimes where it can be very helpful. And then there's sometimes where it's actually detrimental because it takes you away from focusing on the things that you need to focus on and that you need to heal. And I just didn't realize it at the time. Like I didn't have the awareness, like things were starting to go downhill, but it was very, like I said, it was a very slow fade. It wasn't just like, you know, the snap of a finger and everything changed. And so it was like, I hadn't fully grasped that yet. And so I was like, oh, I just like need a distraction because I'm not really enjoying X, Y, and Z, or this is going wrong, or this isn't fun, whatever. But throughout the course of the semester, things got significantly worse. And I started having panic and anxiety attacks like super consistently. And it wasn't just these one-offs anymore. It was like a part of my daily life or at least several times a week, if not every single day. And there was this one night at a church rehearsal that I got sick and I was literally sitting on the floor of the bathroom crying. And one of my friends came in and sat with me and she was on staff with church at the time. And I'm literally just like crying on the bathroom floor, having an awful anxiety attack, completely like disappeared. Like they're in the middle of rehearsal. I'm doing audio stuff. And I just like ran away because I just could not be in there any longer And when you have bad anxiety attacks like that, like it takes so much from you emotionally and physically and it drains you. Like I crash so hard and get so, so tired after having a really bad anxiety attack. And so the fact that I woke up the next morning and went to class was a miracle because I almost skipped because I felt miserable. I used to be able to sleep them off. That was like the thing that I would do was if I was feeling super anxious or whatever, I would go to bed and I would wake up feeling fine and I would just sleep it off. But in the most recent couple years, that has not been the case. It's like, if it's bad enough, sleep does not help. Like I'll wake up and I'll still be in a state of anxiety. And that was also like just really exhausting for me because that was also very new and I'd never had to deal with that much before. But like I said, the fact that I even got to school the next day was miraculous. But I remember like coming into class the next day, laying down for a bit before class even started because I just still was not feeling well. And then leaving and having a conversation with a trainer just about how like, honestly, I was just miserable. And I was like, look, like things are not great for me right now. And I can't remember everything that I said because I think during this season, I was like telling people that things were bad, but it wasn't necessarily like the super detailed conversations because I didn't even fully understand the weight of what was going on yet. But someone who had no idea what was going on with my situation had walked past me and kind of heard my conversation with this other trainer. And their advice to me was just to whatever's going on, just to leave it at the door. And I remember just standing there too stunned to speak. I was like, this has got to be a joke. Like you did not just tell me to leave my anxiety at the door. Now, granted, they didn't understand fully what was going on or the weight of it. And I'm pretty good about giving people the benefit of the doubt and like seeing people's intentions behind what they say. Obviously it wasn't said with ill intention, but it was one of those things where I'm like, dude, like, can you like think before you speak? Because... (laughs) what you just said to me and just like 
made me so mad and it like sent me into a deeper spiral because I just could not believe that. It's like, if you can tell that I'm not doing well, but you don't know what's going on, then don't approach me trying to fix a situation that you haven't even bothered to ask me about. Like at least ask me what's wrong before you tell me to leave it at the door. Like what the heck? Anyway, (laughs) as these things progressively were getting worse, so many other areas of my life were starting to suffer. And the main one was that I could not bring myself to do my assessments. And so my college was not like a normal university where you have like, you know, homework assignments and then you have exams or papers or whatever. We basically, I kind of explained them as a hybrid of all of them and they were called assessments. And so they were pretty lengthy, a lot of them. And at least for me, they kind of required a lot of brain power. And obviously when you're struggling with a mental illness, you don't have a lot of that. And so this was one of the big things that really started to suffer for me was um, getting assessments done. And I would schedule out time. I'd go to a coffee shop. I'd sit down to work on them. And I just could not focus to save my life. And now looking back, I've also found out, I guess I didn't mention this earlier, but I have found out that I have ADHD and it's one of those things where it's like a self-assessment. It's not an official diagnosis, but I'm going to get one soon. Um, But just through my therapy, they can't give you like an actual one, but they can give you like a self-assessment and we like talked about it and stuff. And it's very evident through that assessment and other research that we've done that I have ADHD and it's made everything make so much sense now because I'm like, oh, makes sense why it was so difficult for me to sit down and focus when my mind was racing because everything else that was going on was just draining me and had me like so exhausted. But anywho, that was a little bit of a side tangent, but it's so weird to be in a place where you just like physically cannot do something. Like I'm sitting there at my laptop, assessments open, you know, ready to work. And I just physically cannot bring myself to do it. And then I started to get in this cycle where like I would schedule out this time, you know, to go work on stuff. And then I would end up having like a really bad anxiety attack and I'd be so drained. I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to go home and sleep and I'll like work on it. Maybe I'll like get up early and I'll work on it in the morning or something, or I'll, I'll schedule out this time to go work on it tomorrow afternoon. So I like get up, I go to class, I go to work on it again. And then I would have just had another awful day. And it was just this vicious cycle where I kept planning out the time to do it, but then other factors just kept getting in the way. So it like, wasn't a time management thing. It was just like a being mentally ill thing, honestly. And I would start to have panic attacks. Like every time I'd sit down to work on assessments I'd also get them every time I'd go into work and almost like every time that I would drive, those were the ones that were extra scary because, you know, when you have a panic attack and you're getting short for breath, you start to feel, at least for me, I start to feel like a little bit lightheaded. And so I would literally be driving, having a panic attack and I would feel like I was about to pass out. Like I'd feel like I was going to black out behind the wheel. And I've had a handful of times that I've had to pull over and call someone or wait for it to pass before I could continue driving. And that was like really, really frightening. And I think that was like one of the moments where I realized like, oh, okay, this is actually very bad. And like something needs to be done about this because this is just not good. And honestly, when you feel that so much, at least in my case, it's like feeling that intense of a weight of having a panic attack. It's like after so many of those, like I genuinely thought one of them was gonna kill me like in regards to the whole blacking out thing, like more than just passing out, like fainting, I was like, I'm literally like, I just might not wake up. Like I genuinely felt like one of them would kill me because of how intense that they were. And that's also like 
so scary and no one should ever feel like that. Like that's awful. Um, and I can't remember the exact time frame, but I think it was about halfway through the semester that I had another really bad one and just completely shut down. And I think this was really the moment that I hit rock bottom. I had sent out a couple texts to some people, like finally asking for a break from serving. And I was like, look, I just need a week off. Like it, it took me hitting my lowest of lows and like really hitting rock bottom to actually ask for a break. And the next day I got a text from one of my college trainers, um, asking to meet. And of course now I'm like panicked. I'm like, what, like what happened? What did I do? Like, of course my thought is like, Oh my God, what did I do? Um, but this is the part where my disclaimer from earlier really comes into play. Like I said, I'm not here to speak poorly about anyone, but I am trying to bring awareness to the fact that the way these situations get handled can be very detrimental to a person. And I just hope that someone listening to this, who's maybe been in a position of like leadership, um, leading someone who's had a battle with mental health, that they can maybe be like, oh, this is something I'm never going to do because that's very harmful to a person. Like I said, I know intentions were pure, but things were not executed in such a way. So like I said, I'm just going to live my truth and I really don't need to protect anyone. So I'm just going to go for it, but I'm not going to go into every single detail of this meeting or all the meetings that followed because there were, oh my God, too many to count. But basically, this meeting ended with me being placed on this thing called academic intervention. And you're probably wondering, what the heck is that? Academic intervention, um, at least in my situation, basically stated that until my overdue assessments were turned in and I had like passed them, I wasn't allowed to serve in church, college, or any other like outside thing that I did outside of like what was required, like something within church, but it was beyond what was like assigned to me and required of me. And this was very not okay with me. What college didn't realize at this time was that leading my team was the one thing that was keeping me going. Like every time that I wanted a, like maybe thought I wanted a break or whatever it was, or was a hitting rock bottom. It was like, no, like I have a team to lead. And now looking back, that isn't healthy. And that wasn't healthy for me in this situation. But this, this was my mindset, you know, at the time was that my team was what was keeping me going. And now I just got that like ripped from my hands. And that was very not good for me. I started to get very bitter and very angry. I couldn't even enjoy being in a service anymore because I was so mad that I couldn't serve. Even if like I kind of wanted a break, the fact that I was being forced to take one like did not sit right with me. And like I was saying about knowing that people had like right intentions after several meetings and everything like I know that academic intervention was like given to me as a tool to help like it was supposed to be hey let's take some things off your plate so you can get this done and not be stressed about it but that wasn't really how it was delivered to me and also like I said they didn't realize how much that was keeping me going and so it just like all around was not a good situation but my biggest issue with being placed on academic intervention was being told that we, meaning college, think that this is the best decision for you, but not a single time was I asked what was going on. So it's like, how can you make a decision without me 
about what's best for me when you haven't even bothered to ask what's going on. Like the math ain't mathin, that is not adding up, that makes zero sense whatsoever. And while I'm not still mad about the situation necessarily, it's like, that's still just like, come on, dude, like really. But yeah, honestly, the remainder of my time at college was pretty tough just because of like being a little angry and bitter and just trying to work through things and being in and out of meetings and all of this stuff. But going back to the whole performance thing, I was able to get out of a couple more responsibilities with it because I just like literally couldn't do it. Um, also, I realized I forgot to say this earlier, but when I, cause like I said, I was supposed to be singing, playing guitar and technical directing, but the whole singing part only lasted like a couple weeks because I literally came in and I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, sorry, I didn't come here to be a vocalist. You didn't ask me, I'm not doing it. And normally I'm not really that blunt. Like I'm a very direct person, but still within reason. Like I'm still like, let's have a conversation about it. I'm not just gonna, you know, tell you point blank period that I'm not gonna do this thing. But in my mind, it was not up for discussion. I was like, sorry, I'm not doing that. And then as things got worse for me, learning songs became just a thousand times harder than they already were. And so I did end up getting out of a couple more responsibilities. It was kind of one of these things. I can't remember how many songs I was supposed to play, but my trainers took um, a few of those songs off my plate and they were like, look, just nail these ones. That's all you have to worry about. And then, you know, just technical direct the rest of the time. And I was very thankful for that because they were very like understanding and really worked with me on that, which was a really big thing for me because I was like truly shutting down. Like that moment that I had hit rock bottom, Like I was literally contemplating dropping out because of how badly I didn't want to do this. And it wasn't like a, oh, I can just like take the L on it. It was like, no, like I have to do this if I want to move on to third year. Like this isn't an option if I want to um, graduate or if I want to move on to like my next year, like this has to be done. And also that was like a lot of pressure on myself, I think. And I mean, a lot of that was too, just in my own head. I like put a lot of unnecessary pressure on myself, I think. But when my second year ended, I did think I was coming back for a third year. So I didn't walk. I wasn't planning on graduating, but it became very evident that I still had so much healing to do. And I knew that I couldn't rush that process. And so at the end of summer was when I started therapy. And I just knew that I needed to give myself whatever time I needed to heal. I couldn't put a deadline on it. I couldn't rush it. I just needed to go to therapy, start the journey to healing. And however long that it took is how long it would take. And because of that was why I didn't go back to college. Despite all the other things, like at the end of the day, like that was the reason was because I knew I needed more time to heal. And I do want to jump into a few things about therapy. But before I do that, I want to share a few of the things that I've learned throughout what was probably the worst season of my entire life. Um, unfortunately, (laughs) but there were a lot of things that I learned throughout this time. And I feel like this could be really helpful for some people. So the first thing that I made note of is that forcing someone to deal with their issues in a way that isn't beneficial for them is actually just going to do more harm. So for, you know, my personal example is putting me on academic intervention and giving me no say in it, like actually did more harm than good. And literally just like ask the person, like ask them what's wrong, hear them out and work with them to figure something out that can be helpful. Like don't go making decisions for people and expecting it to help them. Because if you don't even know what's going on with them, like the decision you make is probably not going to be even remotely helpful. And 
yeah, that pretty much sums that one up. Um, and there were a lot of these like unintentionally toxic mindsets or like toxic phrases. And obviously they're not meant to be toxic. And I don't think a lot of people realize that they are. And I talked about this one in a previous episode, like a couple ones ago, I think, but it was this whole like change your confession thing. And I'm like, okay, look, if I don't acknowledge my anxiety, that doesn't mean it's not there. Like, sorry, that's just the facts. And it actually does, once again, more harm than good to just like act like it isn't there. Like you have to acknowledge it in order to heal it. And this other thing, which like this isn't even that big of a deal, but I just remember, like I thought a lot about it and it was this whole thing. Like anytime we'd say, oh, like I'm busy. It's like, oh no, you're not busy. Your life is just full or something along those lines. And it's like, I'm working so many hours. I'm at the school more than I'm anywhere else. I have so many responsibilities. Like, yeah, I'm busy. Like, don't try to tell me that I'm not. It's not just that my life is full. Like, no, I'm busy. Like, I feel like it just completely diminishes the weight of the things you're carrying to try to like reframe it to be something like positive when it's really just like being busy isn't even a bad thing. It's just like a fact. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's really diminishing to act like those things aren't true and it doesn't validate the way that someone's feeling. This is a big one for me. (laughs) This is a really big one for me. So your anxiety is not your identity, but it is still a part of you. Acknowledging it doesn't make it more real. It actually just gives you the space to heal it. Kind of like what I was saying before. And I feel like with a lot of things in my life, this is one of those things I've like talked about in therapy too, is like, I, a lot of times I don't like to admit about like the way that I'm feeling because I feel like if I say it out loud, especially since I am a verbal processor, it's like, Once I say it out loud, it becomes real to me. But talking about anxiety and depression or whatever mental health struggle you have, it doesn't make it more real than it was before, but it actually gives you the space that you need and the time that you need and the conversations that you need to help heal it. And I like wholeheartedly believe that. Like my anxiety is not the only thing about me. It's not my identity, but it's a very big part of who I am. And that's okay because- I'm actively working every day to seek healing and I have been and things have gotten better, but even in good seasons and good times. And even though like my mental health is in a really good place right now, it's a part of my individual personal history. And like, that's okay. That's not something to be embarrassed of or ashamed about or to hide. It's a part of who I am and that's okay. Another big one is that you never know what someone is going through. So think before you speak. And this is kind of referencing my situation that I shared earlier. And it's like, there are some things that you cannot just leave at the door. So like, before you start commenting on somebody's experiences, figure out what they're going through first. Ask questions, be someone who is supportive. Don't just blindly speak into somebody's life because you might not be speaking good things into it unintentionally. Also, there's a difference between pushing your capacity and actually reaching your breaking point. And this was a really hard one for me to learn because like I was saying earlier, it's like, oh, I just kept telling myself like, oh, you're just stretching your capacity. You're going as a leader. But it's like, no, I'm actually like very mentally ill right now. And I've reached my breaking point and something needs to change. And that being said, it's okay to take a step back to get back on your feet. Like I severely cut back my work hours And I removed the things from my plate that needed to be removed. I will say like 
the concept, like going back to academic intervention, it's like the concept of like taking something off my plate, obviously to focus on something else is a very great concept, but you have to go about it in the right way. And I also think you have to make that change for yourself and you have to want it for yourself. Like if someone else tries to make that change for you, it's can be very harmful, but you need to make a conscious choice for yourself to do that. Like I had to have a conversation with my bosses at the time and be like, hey, look, I am really struggling with my mental health right now. The more I'm here, it's just making it worse. And I'm like, it doesn't have anything to do with here, but it's the fact that I don't have a lot to give. And the fact that I don't have a lot to give makes me spiral even more. And I just had to have like open and honest conversations about it. And like, they were so unbelievably understanding. I literally worked to the, basically the bare minimum that I could to still afford to like pay my bills and stuff. But it was what I had to do in that season. And because I took that time to get back on my feet, like I'm able to put a little bit more back on my plate now. And I've been adding things little by little, but I've had to take it slow because I mean, I will admit I have been kind of afraid of like crashing and burning again. And I just like, cannot afford to go through that again, like both actually financially and just, you know, mentally and physically. It's like, I can't afford to let that happen again. But I think, you know, take the things off your plate that you need to take off your plate and add things back in as you're ready. And like, it will help you in the long run. Also, you are the only person that is responsible for your healing, but it's still helpful to have people around you who care and want to help. And this is another kind of big thing that I had to learn. And like, at the end of the day, like you are the one who has to put in in the work. Like if you want to get better, you have to actively seek out healing. You have to go to therapy. You have to make that decision. Like no one else can make it for you. And honestly, like healing can be a lonely journey sometimes because a lot of it is truly you just working on yourself but it's just very important to surround yourself with people who can still walk alongside you in that. Like I've had very lonely moments in my healing journey, but it's like, I know I still have people around me who are there to help me when they can, but there are some things that you just have to face on your own, you know? And like, you have to be the one to make that decision, but it's obviously still very helpful to have people alongside you. So super briefly, I will talk a little bit about therapy. And like I said, like I knew I couldn't rush the healing process and I needed to take whatever time that I needed to heal. And honestly, I tell everyone to go to therapy because I just think it's super important, but I just always talk about, I'm like, oh, shout out therapy. Like if you've listened to this podcast enough, like, you know me, but through therapy, like I've been able to start recognizing like these thought patterns and really just becoming more in tune with myself and my emotions and the way that I tend to respond to things. And it's like, you can start to catch these like, um, like distortions in the way that you respond or react or view things and like kind of change them like subconsciously before they even happen. And I think it's, it's really been like huge for me. And I feel like there's not like too many specifics that I want to share right now. Cause like also therapy is like a very private and personal thing. And I'm like very open to talking about it, but also it's like, what do you say to a friend? Like, what do you put on a podcast? You know, like, whereas I don't don't really know where the line is. So I'm also a chronic oversharer. So I've, I've probably said like too much, but it's fine. You know, we're just going to call it vulnerability and not chronic oversharing because I like that word better. But therapy really has just been a very helpful tool in the process of healing and going to therapy is like truly what allowed me to heal. And lastly, I just need you to know that it does get better. And I know you've probably heard that a million and one times. You probably hate hearing it because I hated hearing it, but it's true. 
even in the midst of the darkest year of my life, there is still so much that is worth being here for. When you're in the midst of the worst season, the worst year, the worst time of your life, it doesn't ever feel like your circumstances are going to change, but they do. And if you ever need the space to have conversations around mental health, like we've said this before, but our DMs are always open. And if you need anyone to talk to, like, it's not weird to talk to me about it. <laughs> like, I promise I would love to have a conversation about it. Like, I'm very passionate about this and am totally willing to um, have any conversation surrounding mental health. And uh, like I said, our DMs are always open. Our Instagram is allcreated.co. And um, with that, I'm really excited for the rest of this month and for the guests that we're going to have on and the stories that are going to get shared and the light that is going to get shown on mental health because these conversations are important and they need to be had and it is okay to normalize talking about mental health. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. Um, this is obviously my first time, you know, by myself recording and this has been very interesting but I still feel like I was just having a conversation with my friends. So I hope you guys um, got something from this. And seriously, like, thank you for listening to my story. It means more than you could ever know. Um, but yeah, I guess we will see you next week. <laughs> Bye, friends.